0: Salam and welcome to our podcast Muslims on Fire Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things With your host Maruf Dear listener Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com
1: Bismillah. Assalamu rahmatullahi wa wabarakatuh. This is your host, Maruf. Welcome to the show, Muslims on Fire. Today I have my uh, friend, Almir, from Australia. He is expert when it comes to Islamic finance. And actually, he is... The first person uh, who also produced the podcast—he's a fellow podcaster. Welcome, Brother Almir. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Glad to be here with you.
1: So, Brother Almir, we're gonna we're gonna deep dive about your life story. Where you where you born? Your family. Where you're today, and what you do? And uh, bismillah. Please tell us. Uh, tell us about your childhood memories. If you look back today, what do you think that shape you, who you are today?
2: Well, I was born in Bosnia, Sarajevo. And uh, if you ever went to Bosnia, Sarajevo, it's a beautiful city located. Not yet. 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 Uh, Inshallah. It's a beautiful city located in the mountains and um, uh, built by uh, Ottoman, in Ottoman style. So it's, and, and there is a lot of different cultures actually that contributed to that. But I used to live in this old part that uh, had it's the orientalist town? orient yeah old town like built by Ottoman uh, Turkish sort of architecture you feel like you are in Istanbul and I my early memory going to school I always remember uh, walking through the uh, Bascharchia, which is like a town let's say square or some, middle of the business part of that old town and just walking as a kid to the school morning going through next to the bakeries and uh, stopping by to get some food and uh, you know that
1: these are the nostalgic moments
2: yeah these are nostalgic moments you know as a kid you how how, what kind
1: of kid were you at school you were a good learner or you were one of those kids that would give trouble to the teachers
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think early on maybe i was a little bit troublemaker but uh, later on i actually enjoy uh, school uh, learning Although I didn't like to do the homework and stuff like that. No one likes and it. I didn't yes. like, and, and I also didn't like to read in the beginning, you know. Uh, so I guess somehow I, I, I would get a good grades. I, I, I would figure out what's happening. But uh, I we didn't have a structured learning, you know. No one taught you how to learn. When you're writing essay, there is a structure. So I was first, maybe in my primary school, totally lost for any kind of... Uh, uh, organized the, let's say, learning. So uh, I don't
1: mind me asking, when you were going to school, it seems you kind of enjoyed the school in a way. So what subjects, there were some specific subjects you were really kind of uh, passionate or you just liked everything, what they taught you there?
2: I really enjoy history. I had a teacher. She would uh, teach history in a way of telling us stories. I never opened a book of history, but until today, I remember the story she used to tell us. And actually, just the other day, I was um, I was talking with one of my friend how even when I think about history, what I learned as a kid, I somehow uh, process through those information because the way she would teach us was uh, uh, really to tell it in a way that you can picture it. You can imagine it's it. A story. And, uh, it's, a story. it's a story. And for us. Uh, where this uh, where my school uh was a uh, primary school there is a lot of history in that place you know maybe three four hundred meters from my school the first world war started wow you know when the prince ferdinand shot r yep. um that's part of the first world war you know mm-hmm. you have um, just maybe a couple of hundred meters you have Places where our first president, Alija Izetbegovic, was in prison with my grandfather uh, in, uh, in, after the Second World War. Uh, literally just a stone throw away where uh, in the last Bosnian War we had major conflicts and uh, the defense of our city was happening. So l- we have a lot of history in that small place. So when you learn history in our context, you learn a lot of different things always east and west used to collide in in bosnia in that environment
1: yeah that's exactly what i was trying to see so it it may seem it's a small city like out of context but if you if you look at the subcontext that i mean even you just mentioned that the start of the first world war right it's not a coincidence right there is some things going on behind it and and this teacher were telling you guys at that time like stories not just the history is like a numbers and facts it's just making a sense to it that's what you liked history
2: yeah, she was a great teacher, although she was very much, at that time, Bosnia was part of Yugoslavia, so it was a communist country, and what used to happen, she was actually communist, she was Serb, uh, and she was a little bit, uh, not a little bit, she was quite anti-Islamic, you know, anti-Muslim, okay. but at that we didn't understand that, so I remember one day she asked us, like, we liked her, because she would tell us these stories, and then if we were good, five minutes uh, at the end of the class, she would tell us these uh, stories from a Greek mythology, you know. Again, very interesting story for the kids, you know, to listen. Anyway, one day she wanted to teach us a little bit about different religions and different things. And I remember she asked us, you know, who is a Muslim, who is a Catholic, Orthodox? You know, we have different religions in Bosnia. They call Sarajevo uh, European Jerusalem, you know, because of this. Anyway, she then asked us you know, in communist, in communist country, you are not allowed to practice religion. So you can call yourself whatever you want, but no way of practicing. Mm. So she then asked us, and this was maybe, I don't know how many years before war, let's say five years or, or, or more before the war. She asked us then, how many of you actually go to the mosque? And at that time before the war, you know, when we were kids, we were brought up without much religion, and most of us never went to mosque. One of my friends Emir, he was the only one who raised the hand. He says, I'm going to the mosque. And then she said to him, and I remember until today very vividly, she said to him, I'm very disappointed in you, Emir. And we were like shocked. Why, why would she be disappointed <laughs> he's going to the mosque? We never. It never occurred to us, you know. Anyway, after that, uh, maybe a few years after that, m- maybe half of the class were going to the mosque, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's interesting. We were very naive, uh, although we were learning history, and she was a uh, very uh, a good teacher in in the in the historic uh, sense of uh, t- uh, telling great stories.
1: That's cool. So, I mean, if you like today, you are one of. Th- I think I, I can imagine. Like we will discuss in a bit. I think Islamic finance is one of your passion areas, isn't it? This is what you talk about. It's what you write you about. It's what podcasts about. But if you look back to childhood, do you think does it relate to any of the? I mean, right now we are discussing history. I'm just trying to connect how the history would end up <laughs> being connected to, to finance. So, like, okay, so the, maybe we will we will connect make a connection later. So you 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 did this call. When was it? Uh, I, I right now you're based in Australia. Was it like when did you when did you and your family migrate to? to Australia. Was it soon after those memories or but it would take a couple of years?
2: And then in '92 we had a war in Bosnia, and it, it was the longest war in modern sort of, um, modern warfare in, 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 in the way that a city was under the siege for, for over a thousand days. So after that experience in the war, in 1996, uh, I decided to go, actually, I, I was injured a little bit in the war, and I wanted to go to Australia. I had some relatives to study and also get some cure, you know, try to get myself fixed, you know. I see. And for so whatever reason...
1: Can, can, is... can I ask one question, brother? I mean, I mean for, for some of us, well, we may not know the context. Can you just... I know war is, is a pretty bad thing. It may it really take a really long time, but... How would you describe the, the war that happened in Bosnia, like in, in a short and briefly, for those of us who never heard of another vera
2: Yeah, so before the 90s, uh, Bosnia was part of a bigger country called Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia had uh, six parts, republics. Most of you know Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, Slovenia, and so on, M- Macedonia, and Bosnia. So Serbs, they are Orthodox Uh, Croats, they are uh, Catholics, and the rest is different kind of similar sort of split. Mostly in uh, uh, Serbia, Bosnia and Croatia, there is all of these Muslims, Serbs and Croats sort of mixed. When you say Muslims
1: and Serbs, like a Serb is a nationality, a Muslim is not a nationality, is it?
2: Yeah, we we almost connect Serb almost with orthodox, like okay. almost interchangeably. So what you mean is like uh, orthodox Christians
1: and Muslims? Orthodox, right? That's what
2: you mean. yeah. Okay. So orthodox uh, Catholics and Muslims, they were uh, mostly mixed in Bosnia, a little bit less in Serbia and uh, a little bit less in, in uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. So the 90s communism is collapsing mm-hmm. uh, around the world, Berlin Wall, all of that. Sure. Uh, Russia, you know, getting US into the are... fragments. That's US right. We were part that's of the
1: USSR. It. We know that, right? It was like yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but
1: Yugoslavia was not uh, part of it, right? But maybe was it some no. kind of attached to USSR, like influenced, right?
2: So they were kind of independent, but it was still communism, one-party system. I see. So that one-party system is collapsing, and then we are uh, starting this uh, democratic uh, process where the suddenly Muslims have their own party. Orthodox, their own party. So everybody's getting their own party. I see. Now, as they're getting their own party, they are, uh, each each uh, republic wants its own independence. Uh, Slovenians getting out, Croatians getting out, they want their own state. They don't want to be with Serbs. And then Bosnians are looking and they are, uh, they, they see Slovenians are going, Macedonians want to go, Croats want to go. Well, we don't want to stay just us and uh, in, in the greater Serbia. So mm-hmm. we... Vote for independence. We have elections. We elect President Ali Begovic and all of that. Bosnia is 50% Muslims. But for whatever reason, Serbs are controlling the military. I and they want to kind of unite pockets wherever the Serb people are. Sure. And they don't want to let go. So they attack Slovenia. There is a war. They attack uh, Croatia. There's a massive war. Because, they were the,
1: because I guess they were the stronger one in, in the
2: community? They were the. Yes, they were very strong. They had their military. They had the upper hand in um, many, many ways. So they, they wanted to unite Serbia with part north of uh, uh, these countries that want to have one. Let's say half of Yugoslavia would be under them in a sense. I see. So then it all comes down to Bosnia because Bosnia had about 30 percent Serb, 15 percent Catholics, uh, Cro- Croats, and then the rest 50 percent Muslims, uh, Bosnians. And Bosnians, the they they were not represented in the military. They didn't have any strategic positions to equip themselves, figure out what's going on, uh, and then everything col- uh, collapsed on 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 them. Uh, Serbs and Croats figured out that let's we have differences, but we unite on the, uh, taking Bosnia into the pieces, and each uh, state taking bits and pieces of it.
1: Oh, yeah, so
2: is, is Muslims happened. were basically uh, left in the middle between these two forces. We unfortunately didn't have a chance to get any weapons. The uh, United Nations puts embargo on us. We couldn't arm ourselves. We are blockaded, surrounded from every corner. And then we start very long process to defend ourselves, to take weapons and to fight. And uh, so that was about four years. We suffered a lot of genocides, a lot of, you have maybe 500 mass graves in Bosnia, hundreds of thousands of killed, raped, injured. I've seen many people die in front of me. And, you know, Sarajevo, where I was, capital city, uh, we had maybe six, seven million shells that they shot at us, sniper bullets, uh, whatever you can think of, uh, they they were throwing at us. They tried to finish us, but a lot of brave people stood and fought, and eventually we prevailed. We prevailed. Mm -hmm. We got some kind of peace.
1: Alhamdulillah. So, one of the things always kind of interests me is that you see like Bosnia, Slovenia, Croatia, all those nations you mentioned, including, I mean, like, so you guys belong to Slovenian family, right? Or, like coming, is, is that correct or not?
2: It I is mean, a Ethnically, ethnically. Yeah, no. yeah, it's like a Slavic people, but so, there is also a mix of some other people there, you okay. know? Okay. I mean, uh, so, so of most of
1: most of the Slavic people they tend to follow Christianity in in one way or form, and Bosnia is one of the few, as far as I know, they kind of break this rule. Say, yeah, want to want to follow Islam? Is it? I just since you are into history, I'm just diving into history as well. Is it something to do with the Ottoman Empire or, or or Muslims earlier that that came and and convert Bosnia, or how did it happen there? Do you know the history?
2: Yes. Yes. So what happened is that uh, when Roman Empire uh, split between East and West Roman Empire, as you know, East became Orthodox with uh, the capital become what we now call Istanbul, Constantinople. Before mm-hmm. that is the Rome of the Church. Even today, the Pope of the Orthodox world is in Istanbul.
1: Oh, really? Just
2: like that. Uh, yeah, just like the Pope of the Catholics is in the in the, in Rome in Vatican. Mm-hmm. So when that split, actually the line was going directly through the Bosnia. Bosnia there is um, uh, was kind of independent. There was a pope there in Europe who was like a rebel, and he was actually went in hiding in Bosnia. So Bosnia was not in the east or the west. They had their own unique Christian, uh, uh, Christian sort of uh, beliefs, which was uh, much closer to Islam. It was not that deviated, let's say. Oh, I see. So when Islam came. It was much more natural for them because it was so close to what they already believed. That's Unlike interesting. Others. Yeah.
1: So it was not there was no like war. There was nothing. It was just they just said, "Hmm, that's interesting. You know, it, it's closer to what we believe. Let's let's go for that." So,
2: so obviously, Muslim army, uh, Turkish, let's say, they went and they conquered these places, but they didn't force anybody. That's why you have yeah, yeah, Croatian, yeah. Serbia people are still practicing their religion. Mm-hmm. And and Muslims by large they, they accepted Islam. I mean uh, that, that those who we call Muslims today in Bosnia they accepted. Uh, but yes. there was no force for. In in fact, in the city of Fojnica today there is a, one of the church. When they came, when Sultan came, he wrote a very famous. This probably first in the world letter where he grants the freedom of religion to everybody in Bosnia and the surrounding. And it's, until today, I think, the first document in the world where uh, the leader uh, grants everybody freedom to sort of practice their religion, you know?
1: Uh, So thank you very much for the the history, brief history there. So tell us more about, like, how you migrated to Australia and what did you study? And most importantly, you want to understand, I guess, how did you end up today, Uh, you know, to be in love, I would say, in in Islamic finance?
2: So when I... In 96, after the war, uh, I came to uh, Australia. I was thinking temporarily just to come and do a few things. But uh, I started studying, actually, computer science. I wanted to do something to do with computer science and engineering. I also like psychology, you know, different kind of things. Mm -hmm. After a while, I realized that somehow in the world of finance, a lot of things that I cared, uh, justice and, you know, advancement of people's conditions and things like that, it comes in the area of finance and economy, mm-hmm. and more. I started learning and reading about it, going to the classes. It somehow fascinated me, just the logic and the reasons. And I started thinking about different rules, and and that's how basically I started getting into all of that.
1: I see. I see. The time. I see. So what you are saying is that you started, even though initially you were interested in IT, in psychology, I guess, but then then you see. There's a lot of discrepancy in the world. There are a lot of poverty out there, and you want to probably somehow get to the bottom of it, and it goes all back to finance.
2: Absolutely, I often tell a story. You know, I, when I was uh, traveling in Bosnia with my brothers, I tried to go often to Bosnia, and we were uh, joking. You know, like if you inherited from somebody 500 million, what would you do? You know, mm-hmm. and one of my brothers say, "Oh, I, I do this business," or some one, another one says, "I do other business." So then I thought, like, if I had, why not be in every business somehow, which is to start, uh, let's say, Islamic Bank or facilitate for something like that. Because Islamic Bank or some finance organization, they are an uh, engine behind the economy. They drive the, the growth of economy. And I have seen that very closely because my, my brother, he, he used to work in one of the banks, conventional banks. And I remember whenever we would travel around Bosnia, No matter where we go, he would have a client. So you go to some village, there are five people, he would have a client and they are financing and doing things.
0: Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video on demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a seven-day free trial. Now back to the show.
2: So for me, that was very fascinating, you know, that I learned the, the bankers, you know, they they have a clients everywhere and and they know the best restaurants. That's the two things I learned about banking.
1: They know the best what?
2: They know the best restaurant. Oh, know, yeah, yeah, best because, places to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because wherever they go, no matter what they, what it is, they, they, they're taking clients somewhere, you know, for these appointments. So know the best, they, they know the best restaurants, you know. Oh, I see. So that, that, that became appa- what became apparent is that how integrated banking and finance is. So you're talking about a baker, about a developer, about manufacturer, about somebody producing food. They all uh, deal with money and, mm. and, and banks. So it became clear that that, that's something that is interesting. So,
1: I mean, one of the things you were like saying, hey, instead of doing one thing, why don't we, can't I do a thing that can impact on many things on many, many levels, right? That's one one of the things you are looking at the bank. Interesting. So let me ask you like a very blunt question. Like, look, I'm not from finance sector. So maybe my question (laughs) may be silly. But but most of the banks, as far as I understand, what they do is they lend money, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For interest. It could be depending... Some places from five to percent, and, and and I hear today that uh, some crazy numbers from Uzbekistan. They're lending for up to thirty percent. That's right. crazy. Yeah. So I think that's how they do. And but as far as we know, as far as I know, in, in, that's that's prohibited in Islam, right? You cannot mm-hmm. just lend money and just earn a percentage on it, which is what we call the riba. And I, I think you know much much more about this than than I do. But I think my question is that's how the general. Banking works, doesn't it?
2: Like, That's right. So the conventional banking yeah. takes money uh, like a commodity, yeah. and the money is then sold for the profit. Yeah. So my question so
1: is. What we... so, so Sorry. So, so my, my question was that in Islam we are not allowed to do that. But still, what you, some of, you just mentioned some of the good qualities, like good things the bank can do, right? Good can actually empower, like give like give financial aid. My question is this: How could we do it that the right way? what Islam wants, what Allah SWT wants as the way, how
2: would it be? What could yeah. be the solution? So Islam obviously has a solution and uh, and the difference is how these banks uh, create a relationship with their uh, clients. Mm-hmm. So what we say for money to be useful, money must become something else and then you, instead of selling the money, you sell something else. Okay. So with the conventional bank, basically when you enter into their contract, it's a money for money contract. So I give you a loan, which is money on one end, and then I get more money. So it's a money for money, and Islam prohibits that kind of uh, transaction. Uh, A loan in Islam is something that is benevolent, charitable deed, so it should not be connected with the profit. So Islam basically wants to separate transactions that are charitable in nature from transactions from which profit is allowed. So when we look at the interest, it is a profit from transaction money on money where Islam does not want to see profit. So it's a type of profit. So riba is the profit that is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. So what is the legitimate profit is that uh, for me to benefit from money, my, I must convert money in something else. So, for example, maybe I buy a house or a car or I mm-hmm. a partner with you in some kind of a business. In that case money now became something different now when I sell this or invest this into something and then it gives some kind of a fruit or a profit then where my profit is coming from is from uh, activity that has some economic benefit I see so idea here is that you should profit by uh, creating some kind of a benefit in society
1: I see I see. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, I, you know I, I come start up in entrepreneurship area. So it's almost like an investor, right? Yes. yes. Cuz the investor that's, what the investor does right. is they give the money and you have to you have to do whatever you do and when you when you make a profit so they come in and share that benefit with you.
2: Absolutely. If if you look today for example how most of the businesses finance it's through equity. Mm-hmm. So if you are going for a startup for example no one will give you a loan, mm-hmm. isn't it? So if you, if you go it's too to too risky. They look at it as it's too risky. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have a collateral. <laughs> exactly. And also, what is, the, what is the benefit for them from that? Okay, you're going to return 5%. They want 1,000%. You know the story when the guy who was uh, designing logo for Facebook, mm. they said that Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, couldn't pay him, so he gave him a few shares. And then those shares became maybe value was 100 bucks, his logo you know, for Facebook. When they issue IPO shares, that, that guy became millionaire.: Yes. So, so with, with investing, you have different appetite. So you know, like, I'm investing in 10 companies, maybe three will succeed, maybe seven will fail. So there is a risk. Yeah, you have a skin in the game. So what you are looking is 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 more incentive. Why should I? I don't want to just make five percent or ten. You know, I want I want to make more, and you want to you. So so you want to link your profit with underlying performance of this business. I see. And yeah, so, so this is where even today is the most uh, most uh, common way of finance, especially the uh, startup and the business.
1: Yes. So I think my question. Okay, I mean, it comes to business, it's understandable. Like like you know. Here's, let me ask you another question then. So like you see buying a house, for example, in, in many of us, this is what comes to also an interesting question. Like when it comes to buying a house, it's not not kind of business transaction, I would say, like the startup is different. So when it comes to buying a house, how would it work out? For example, let's say there's an Islamic bank. I want to get my house in Islamic way. Is it possible or not?
2: It is possible, obviously, uh, to to, to structure these transactions, obviously, depending on which country, what sort of legal framework you have. There are maybe some uh, obstacles on your way which you need to figure out how to solve. For example, uh, if we go back to the idea that you have to own something, money must become something, and then you sell that something rather than selling the money for money, then what that means is Islamic banks must buy the house and then sell you the house. Oh, I see. Immediately, you have a problem in most of the countries, which is that a bank cannot get the ownership of the property, of Mm. some asset. So bank's business in most of the countries is just to buy and sell money. So you go to the regulator to taxation these departments and so on, and you say, well, we need to do it. For Sharia requirement, I need to buy this. Then you can't get the asset on your name as an organization. Then even if you could, there is a double uh, taxation, which is you know you have a sale tax, they call it here stamp duty or something like that in different countries. Mm-hmm. And then when you sell it, what is that profit that you are getting? You know, is it interest? Is it uh, what, 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 how do we classify that? Do you have the same deduction and so on? So, so a lot of the cu- countries around the world they implemented certain laws to create a parity of treatment. To, towards the profit from these transactions and uh, other uh, banking transactions. And, uh, for example, here in Victoria and Melbourne, where I am, we have exemption from taxation, uh, double taxation, so that it's not more expensive. So then, legally, we create some kind of entities. For example, you have certain trusts or some some other ways, many, many different ways where you accept ownership of something, or you have uh, some documentation to accept ownership, and then you sell it to the customer there are different ways, depending on what sort of risk and risk profile bank is going. So you can structure it as a sale, which is more sort of a traditional with your added cost and profit, you know, as the lease, some sort of combination of the partnership. So depending what is most suitable in Australia, due to the law and familiarity, Mostly, it's through the leasing structure that, that that we do that.
1: I see. So, I mean, some people say, "Oh, all this uh, what they call Islamic banks is just uh, repackaging of this." But, but, and underneath, it's the same. What's your, what you are trying to say to me is that it it's depending on the context. But some of the things, what they they, you know, it is actually doable. In some, it context. is
2: doable. Some obviously, you will have certain issues. You will come across certain issues and things that depending on the, uh, what you have available in terms of is the money coming from you is the money coming from another organization who are you dealing with mm-hmm. even if in australia there are different laws so we try always in my in my in my work advising some of these organizations we try to take these uh, things into consideration and and work with the lawyers to come to some sort of uh, a sol- solution so it's it is. It is possible. Is it uh, sometimes in certain places everything that we want? It's. 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 Uh, it's not all the time. Contractual uh, issues can be sometimes diff- difficult to get. So we have a lot of different issues with the contract. You know. So it's not just is it riba or is it this, but there is a lot of contractual issues. You know. How I do see. you get the ownership? How you uh, transfer it? How you price the, the, the things and so on.
1: Okay, since we're talking finance, uh, you know, recently there are new terms, there are new uh, like paradigms that's coming up. Like some of them, you already know, like like blockchains and cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of fatwas here and there. I mean, for me, uh, since I come from a tech, I just looked into not necessarily the Bitcoin, but more into blockchain technology. I, what I really liked is how it transforms the trust issue from this the the authorities like banks into almost by to the system right but the third party is automatically so i think my question is i guess like as as an expert in islamic finance how would you see the future to go like if someone comes up with a cryptocurrency let's say or or for i don't know to use like what is what is the ruling what is how do how does islam look into that in generally what's your knowledge if you can share of course about this
2: so because I had some interest in uh, computer science, as I said in the beginning, I, I was actually uh, learning some of these computer languages like C and so on, maybe four or five of them. So I, I actually understood some of the basic ideas. I, I read Satoshi paper that talks about uh, Bitcoin. I, uh, very early on, uh, I started reading and looking at it and um, in the blockchain, talking with the people who developed these patented technologies and so on. I even bought some just to see how it's going. Different wallets, so I tested a lot of different things. My, my conclusion, obviously, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain, two different issues. My conclusion sure. is that uh, actually most of most of our thoughts on this area are are matter. Uh, as some of the scholars said before, these are the areas where I try to avoid issues like halal and haram. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because. It uh, it's a, it's a something depends on how you structure your thinking about it. You know mm-hmm. uh, how you explain what 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 is going on here. So I use the language as some of the scholars that I see use is that should we do this or should we not? Should we stay away or should we engage and should we encourage or discourage? Mm-hmm. Because it's a very uh, hot issue. Mm-hmm. So. I have a whole course. I gave uh, four hours on this Bitcoin, just Bitcoin, and looked at all of different things. You know, all of the studies and experts' opinion. And my conclusion is that uh, it is starting from the blockchain is actually has a major problem uh, with the uh, cryptocurrency. I think it's 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 one of those things that cannot simply the Bitcoin cannot, for example, deliver what what uh, what, what is uh, what people think it can. Which is to become a global currency. Yeah. So you you have simple uh, technology is problematic. So the blockchain as a decentralized technology is uh, way too inferior. Uh, one of the things Satoshi talked about is the finality of payment. So so because you need a consensus and more uh, blocks you build, you bring bigger consensus and so on. Uh, you never have a cons- uh, You never have a finality of payment. So what that means is that there are ways that. Your transaction can go into the block, uh, but that that can uh, be undone. You see, if I if you have a miner who discovered block just very very briefly, this idea is very complex. But if I have a miner who wants to uh, trick the system and he discovered the key, you know, and he doesn't advertise that he dis- discovered this key, then he can start building another on that block, another block, and so on. By the time the network catch up, is network is behind in discovering. So network is can be processing on one branch, transaction that will be later canceled because this this uh, node, this miner did not publish that they already discovered these keys. So there will be transaction that will be canceled and some transaction will be processed. So because you don't have finality of payment, you know, in normal centralized system, once you pay, once the money hits your account, you know it's there. In blockchain, because it's consensus, even it hits, even it shows it left, and all of that—it's not certain. I see. Just because it's registered. So, because of this and many other things, we see nobody really. Uh, one fundamental question is that nobody really needs Bitcoin for daily transactions. Mm. So, mostly people buy to hoard it, speculatively, mm. or people to engage in uh, in illegal transactions. So, nobody is buying it for everyday commercial transactions. That's true. That's which, true. which makes it very difficult to become and you 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 see until today yeah. like even you have people who who ask people in the last uh, two months did you b- purchase anything with bitcoin
1: no 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 bitcoin.
2: no one did and why because i never i never went I, I was never in a situation where i could you know i'm looking to buy a cake or a book or a flight ticket and i thought to myself i wish i could i mean i want to buy this there is no way to buy it with a debit card or any other way. I wish I had a Bitcoin because that's the only way to do. It. No one has that problem. Right. So, and I mean, so, so similarly. So, so,
1: yeah, I mean, uh, so go ahead.
2: Right. And similarly, it's very much concentrated. The blockchain and this uh, the net, Bitcoin network is concentrating around few miners, you know, who are usually registered in like Cayman Island or few of these uh, jurisdictions. And you have maybe three, four that might control something like sixty percent of hash power. So it's it's very concentrated. It's unknown entities, and also a major problem for this is quantum computing, which 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 easily breaks this uh, code. Mm. So yeah, which is
1: coming up very soon, I guess. So
2: computers. there is a lot of issues. Again, I did four hours on this. What I say to the people is that, all, also Islamically, private money is not good. Most of the scholars say. And that's why if you read Ibn Taymiyyah, when he talked to the uh, sultans of his time, he said, don't make making money as the commercial activities. Because once you make it commercial activities, you are going to do something that will make you a profit, which will be done by debasing the currency. So instead, when you're minting the money, coins... Make it uh, so that it's paid from public treasury, beitul mal, so that it is actually done in a way that is service for the people and it's preserving the value. So for this purpose, even if we just look at this private money, that you don't know what's happening, you have so many issues. I, I don't think it's it, it it's happening. So I see, I see your point. So, from the, so so from the beginning, I said blockchain again. It's a really database which is spread on few other places. I, see. I mean, I can see it limited use in in certain capacity in, for specific jobs, but uh, it's not up to the hype that, that people see. think.
1: I see. Thank you for your opinion on that. So recently, recently, I heard, I read this. So I can remember. So so one of the questions was that that this is an unfortunate truth that people are saying that today Muslims, they care more about halal food, than than halal income. Would you would you agree to that? And how can we do, what is the root cause of this?
0: Psst. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show.
2: I, I think that's correct. If you see in almost every country, even people who don't practice, they will eat halal meat. Uh, But they will have an interest-based loan or a riba-based mortgage, you know, and things like that. So I think that's come down to uh, simply in the last 30 years, we are coming back to Islam. You know, most of the people were brought up. They never thought about these things. It's very foreign. So there's no awareness. They don't understand. And, you know, our scholars make easy everything. They sort of push this aside. It was not a priority to deal with. So I think it's just come as a result that Islam is really in last couple of decades only starting in a big way to be uh, practiced and uh, and that we have these Islamic banks and and alternatives. So I think it was not something that people really thought too much about.
1: So I mean, I really like the, the way you put it. What you're saying is, hey, this is a reality, but we have to also look at the context. Let's look where, where we are coming from, right? We are not perfect. and. There is there's is a lot of catch up with we need to do. And uh, that's where we are, isn't it
2: like like if you look at most of Muslim countries, they were communist in some way, you know, like Bosnia, for example. Yes, they were not part of Russia, but they had their own communist. And so people just for writing the book, they went to the jail. So on their priority list was, you know, just like you see now in China, people 1 million people in prison. Now, what's on their priority list, you think? Uh, Interest based loan or how to survive the head and the prey and stuff like that when You know you say, when
1: you say one million people you mentioned uh, Uyghurs, right? Over a million yes. Uyghurs, yes. Yes. So we want to be more right. clear because I think probably more than one billion people. Because <laughs> is a big country 1.5 yeah. billion. right
2: so some say a million some three some mm. I mean, you know these days These days uh, the, the bigger problem, you know when Srebren's Genocide happened and people mm. were saying how many died in this particular genocide 7,000, 8,000, 10,000. So one sheikh said, he said, you know what the problem is with these numbers? It's not the numbers, you know, 10,000 or 20 or whatever. Is the problem we don't even know the scale of the aggression against us. So when I now say million, two million, two, three, like it's let's what am I talking about? It's like I'm talking about potatoes, not human beings, you understand? So we even don't know how much actually we have casualties in these things. But what I want to say is that you see, we in Bosnia lived through something like that. Very similar experience because, you see, our president went just for a book in a jail, similar to that. Mm-hmm. My wife, uh, you know, uh, her father used to run uh, one of the jails. And uh, at that time, he, he, she was not allowed to go to learn about Islam. They had to do it secretly. And if anybody knew that she was learning. So, so you can understand these people are trying to preserve they name islamic name they may a little bit of their salah maybe they are fasting little bit reading quran the other sorts of knowledge you know this this disappeared you know that's I how i i think it happened you know i
1: see i see i see very good. Very good. So uh, I, th- I think uh, as a last note, uh, what I would like to ask is that uh, thank you. I really thank you for, for being here, for sharing your story. And we deep dive in, in a lot of <laughs> Islamic finance, I guess, topics. Uh, so, so tell me this, like today, as you, you also mentioned how you came up with the Islamic finance. Today, like you do, you 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 are, you are advising a lot of companies. How would you balance uh, your, I would say, dean and dunya?
2: So I... I... Often, actually, in part of some of my courses, I actually take a first uh, part of the course, usually to answer that question, because when you think about deen, the word deen means the way you live your life.
1: Yeah, way of life,
2: yeah. Okay, where do we live that life? In dunya?
1: Yes, Yeah. on earth, yeah.
2: So, so when you think about it, what is the deen is the way you live the dunya. Mm.
1: So, Absolutely. So
2: therefore... So therefore, it should be no contradiction. Mm-hmm. So this idea of uh, segre- segregating, this is my Islamic spirituality or whatever, and this is my something else, is not Islamic. No. In fact, when you read the story of the of the Shuaib, and he went to the people of Median, they, they came up with this idea, and they said to him, oh, Shuaib, because you used to tell them, you know, how to don't cheat people, do this, do that with your money, you know, he was teaching them these transactions. So they would complain. They didn't want to listen. And they used to tell him, what your salah has to do with the way we make or spend our money. So this was their way of like a secularism, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to bring this idea that Islam shouldn't be messing, you know, telling us what to do. So a reality in Islam is that uh, you need to balance your life. The money is uh, is something that like a lamp, like a light, helps helps you. A lack of money, as they say, somebody was asking, money will not get me to the paradise. But so uh, what about lack of money? Will that get you? So <laughs> money or no money, it's not a key here. The issue here is that money brings more of who you are into the outside world, yeah, well, you understand? Think,
1: yeah, yeah. In other words, I think uh, I heard that. Whatever in your heart, the, the money magnifies it, right? If you have some kindness, right. right. you can be kind. If you want to be like show off, you want to do something. It will also magnify right. in a big way. You, you,
2: it's you, you, whoever you are. Do you become more with the money? So if you are a generous person with money, you become generous. If you are stingy, you'll become same stingy. You know. You'll so the money more didn't make. That's right. So the money just make whoever you are more of you
1: interesting you know so i think you know you know where they come from i can understand where they come from they come from you know they look they say look we look at the sahabas we look at this and they always didn't go after money they wanted to they wanted mm. to like they didn't want to get money you wanted to live as 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 as, fakir as possible and i think one of the issues they also we have seen in the world, when the people, the money reaches the people, it corrupts them, it does this and that. And I think that's where they come from. And, but, I, but I agree with agree what you said. But look at
2: this. Look at this. Think about what we are saying here. In one of the narration, the, the companions came to the Prophet and they say, Oh, messenger of Allah, these rich people, uh, they overcome us. Yes. And the Prophet said, how did they do that? He we said, Well, they pray like we pray, they do these things, whatever we do, and then they have money with which they do all of these other extra good deeds, which we cannot do that. So what did Prophet advise You probably know the hadith, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. To 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 after the salah they make thirty three times right? subhanallah and alhamdulillah, you know. So he said, Do these things and no you you will catch up to, to, to them, you know. No one will be better than you. So after a while, they came and they say, oh, Prophet of Allah, you know, you you, you, you won't believe what's happening. What's happening? Well, these rich people, they learn our secret, you know, they start <laughs> doing it now. What do we do now? So the Prophet ﷺ said, this is the blessing that Allah gives to certain people. So what's the point of these things? You see, first of all, how do they look at these rich people? Did the Prophet ﷺ say to them, oh, don't worry, anyway, these people, got you know, probably <laughs> they got... Probably they got this money by, you know, crooked way or something, you know, you are the best. You sit there, do nothing and you are the best. No, no, they, they say they are, they, they are overcoming us. They are, they are becoming better, they are better than us. Why, because their output is more, it's leveraged, okay? And so he's confirming this idea. And he says at the end, you know, this is the blessing Allah gives to some people. So when we look at the companions, you know, I was just reading, uh, writing the article now uh, about a conference next week in Istanbul about Islamic economy model, you know, and uh, and um, I was discussing how, if you look at Uthman, for example, yeah, Uthman already... he comes he comes to, uh, uh, radiallahu anh, uh, he comes to Medina, and one of the first thing he buys the well of Rumah, which is a water system of the Medina, and he gives it as a charity for the Muslims. Then he bring what we would today consider billion dollar caravan you know the, the with the trucks and everything whole shopping center he gives for free then the call for army he donates the the horses the camels the gold up to the level where the prophet is saying you after this done. day nothing will harm Uthman now okay what no what is the question no one is asking here how does Uthman make this money i mean we are talking about Medina, where people came there. Abdurrahman, ibn now, these people they are refugees. Basically, the Prophet had to pair them up so they share the food and everything with them. So these refugees are coming to; Me- they, they are fleeing Mecca, where they are socially and economically boycotted. They're going to this new place. The Prophet is establishing the market after the mosque is the first thing. He does not want to be in the situation like we were in Mecca. And these people in that market, they generate the business. Because that's not what we are not asking. How did Uthman generate this much profit? Exactly. Well, from, the, from some kind of a business. He didn't just, you know, wake Inhered up one morning. from his father or something else. He, even if he did, I mean, you give, how much cost to yeah. equip the army? Sure. Think about it today. Yeah. A, Australia recently yeah. equipped the army with the submarines. cost $50 billion. Turkey now buying S-400 S, uh, and these airplanes. Look at Saudis. They gave Trump now a hundred billion dollar check. So to equip the army, wherever it's coming from, we are talking about billions. So even if he had money, how much money you have? So we, who is making this money? So when we look at, at the whole life, we need to recognize that these people. And that's why Imam Bukhari, when he start his book of business transactions after the chapter on the on the fasting, he brings the story of a of few hadith and. One of the first hadith is actually story of Abu Huraira, who is saying, during the average day in Medina, people were busy in their properties in the market. That's what they're doing. They're not sitting. Even Umar used to one day work, one day study with the Prophet So when these people are in the market, they're making money, which allows them to reach the upper hand, as the Prophet ﷺ said. Upper hand is the better one. Yes, Yes. You know, even even if you don't have anything, go take some, chop some wood, and sell the wood. But don't beg, don't ask. Mm-hmm. So when we think of companions, these are the people who, who were independent in their means. So our economic system, our, uh, everything revolves about entrepreneurship in reality, about people who are producing things and benefit society. So that's is what Islam wants: independence, strength, and that you are producing. This is what Islam is. This is what companions did, and this is why they were able then to take care of their needs
1: absolutely i mean that was really beautifully put so what you're saying is that i agree totally with what you're saying is that islam is is is, is, is deen right it's a way of life it's nothing that's not there's no way you do you go to work 95 you do whatever you want and you come to home and say now i'm going to practice islam right it's all the way through because. there is no dunya there is no dunya i mean there is dunya and din, and, and but the dunya is actually is enwrapped in, in inside the Dean, so Dean is much larger, absolutely. it's a way of life, absolutely, that's beautifully put Absolutely, you,
2: you you need to create your food, you need to create your, everything, entertainment, anything, anything in life Everything you need to produce, it. so it's you beautiful. need to get busy If you want to live lifestyle of Islam, then, what kind of lifestyle? I was just looking at some number, and I realized, according to some statistics, by 2030, 2030, in the next couple of years Muslims are now 1.8 billion, okay? Mm-hmm. Between ages of 15 to 29, Muslims will be 540 million. Think about that number in next a, the next couple of years. 500 million Muslim, youth. What is it that they're gonna be watching? Who is producing that? What are they gonna be eating, wearing? Who is gonna be example? What career, who will be employer? Whoever is doing these things is giving them a lifestyle. So if we don't create this lifestyle and give it to our people, somebody else. So don't say Islam is a lifestyle and then somebody provides everything in your life to live that style. You understand? So you need to be the one to do that. So the so problem of what we have today is that even, and that's why I'm going to be talking a little bit, little bit, maybe criticizing this point, is that even when we say Islamic economy booming, this sector, that sector, mainly as a consumer, that's Even crazy. in Islamic finance, it's mainly transactional. Hmm. It's not, there's no production. You look at the halal meat, you know, number one and two countries in halal meat production, Brazil and Australia.
1: That's crazy, right?
2: <laughs> you understand? So very consumer-oriented economies. So that's why when you look at the youth in our countries, look at Lebanon now, what's happening, 37% of unemployment of youth. So if you don't employ and grow economy get a job and solve your livelihood problem and then drive your economy and solution, become an upper hand producing stuff. These 500 people, million people of Muslims say, well, where is Islam, you know? All of these people look, they're we're watching their series, they're consuming their stuff, What? what where is Islam here? It's, it's a big serious issue.
1: Absolutely, I mean, so what you're saying, we are coming to the back of the issue again, whatever we put in our stomach, is as important like I, I i would say differently whatever we put in our mind is as important as what we put in our stomach at the end of the day isn't it if not more, even more important and, and unfortunately we tend to forget that yeah i think i recently uh i was checking out a little bit about yourself and i recently forgot that it seems that we both enjoy ethical series so tell us uh, <laughs> more about that what 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 do you like what do you like most about ethical
2: well look you know this is one of these uh solutions in entertainment where you have in Turkey, for example, uh, statistically, over 90% of people watch five hours of TV a day. Wow. Uh, Turkey, Turkey is producing 150 TV shows a year for about 300 million. It's a major export. So now, when they started making uh, Ertuğrul, which is the father of uh, Osman, Osman, you know, who founded entire, uh, what they call Ottoman, Ottoman but Osman, you Osman know, empire, yeah. So... Then you have Abdul Hamid, the last Abdul Sultan, Hamid, Then Abdul you Hamid have Ali. Yeah. Exactly. So you look at these things. Became number one. Watch shows in Turkey and around the world. Here, number of people I have told about this show, hundreds, who watch a- every episode. So why I usually uh, say to people, watch this. Why? Because you learn what it is to be a real man, a real woman. How father should behave to his son daughter to the mother, how leaders should uh, stand for justice, fight for justice, you know. So you see the whole mannerism between them, you know, when, when the son kisses the hand of his uh, mother, you know. So you see the entire life and the character and the mannerism between Excellent. them, which is much different than when you watch this, uh, let's say, Western-based uh, movies and stuff like, and series, which is driven by action. Actually, yeah. Oh, he did something and then tricked somebody and he win. Okay. In natural, there, there is in this there is no values. In natural, you have to engage, and there are values, there are principles. There is there is so much more that you can learn. So, so for me, this tapped into something that Muslims are, Muslims want to see, they want to see di- that dignity and honor, and why it's so popular because they are missing this kind of justice in their own society, and 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 I think this shows that craving. So it's a huge. Business, I think uh, we need even more Netflix type of these uh, services to finance much of these. Uh, uh, I think there's a massive appetite for, for these kind of uh, programs and entertainment.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, we, um, as a startup, we also started something smaller because we didn't want to start a big, but two years ago we started this project called, uh, I don't know if you have checked, it's called Alihuda. So it's like a, mm. it's, it's a platform Muslim case. Exactly what you said. I mean, to be honest, like we know how big investment goes behind after Netflix or similar, like now Disney Plus is coming up, huge amounts of money. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to start small. That's why we started just for the Muslim kids. Alhamdulillah. Uh, we've been growing, but but I can tell you as an entrepreneur, there are so much, a lot of like, how to say it? If we asked our ummah, like invest in the big buildings today, you, you find people lined up, giving millions and billions of dollars. But when you ask people to invest in in, in media, like, like in similar to what we do, they tend to ask really crazy questions. What is the profitability in this? How much can I make? Which is right, but but look at the, you have to look at the, the long picture as well, right? Because if you're creating like, in a nutshell, we're trying to create Netflix or something like Walt Disney for Muslim kids. What will be the impact in the next 10, 15 years? We have to look from that point mm-hmm. of as well. But unfortunately, I have to tell you, because as I said, I, I know I come from the startup scene. We have to, as Muslim investors, we have to mature up a little bit. And that's okay. We just, as I said, instead of giving, assuming bad about ummah, I'm just saying, inshallah, may Allah make us of those who will be patient enough. And that, you know, understands the impact. As you said, that's huge. Because, yes, you can make money. That's, that's nothing wrong with it. But imagine impacting half a billion human beings. In this case, Muslims, they go and impact the rest of the world. That's what at stake here, isn't it? At the end of the day.
2: Look, I, I remember maybe a year or two ago, the, one of the founder of Netflix, he was here. So I had the opportunity to privately meet in one of these conferences and whatever. And he was telling us the story when they were giving, selling, they wanted to sell Netflix to Blockbuster. And somebody asked him like, how was that? And so he described it, they're selling it for $50 million to Blockbuster, and then Blockbuster was laughing and so on. Yeah. And then they transitioned to streaming. So they asked him, How did you transition to streaming while Blockbuster got stuck in the DVD market?
0: Do you struggle with Deen and Dunya balance in your life? Meet salam.app, a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends, and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android.
2: So they said we understood something that Blockbuster didn't understand, and that is what business we are in. We understood very early on that we are in the business of telling stories, because humans always will have a need to gather around the fire and tell each other stories. Regardless of the medium, whether you stream DVD or in your brain something is, you know, injected, we don't care about that part. We care about these stories. So we see now, if you look at Netflix now, they have 125 million customers, you know, and the subscription is something like 15 bucks, depending which plan you take, but that's close to $2 in um, in revenue every month, close to two billion dollars in revenue. They are in hundred and I don't know hundred and something. They are hundred and fifty valued more than Disney. Hundred fifty billion valued more than Disney. They are making two billion a month. When Jerry Seinfeld, you know, I watch uh, with my son Jerry Seinfeld comedians in car getting coffee. You know, just um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a show. Here's a show. There.
2: Yeah. It's very hard to find these uh, normal uh, TV programs. So we we find that one. Like we like the cars to watch cars and. Uh, same like Top Gear, what's called a new one on Amazon Prime, uh, like a Top Gear uh, type of program, Grand Tour. So we watched that, and I asked my son, I said, do you know how much Netflix paid Jerry Seinfeld? $100 million to make that.
1: Per, per episode that, or per, but, per the show, for the show?
2: Pay, uh, for the whole show to okay. get it, you know, $100 million. And he said, oh, that's a big number. Yeah, it's a big number, but think about it. Netflix is just a website, mate. It's just a website. They're making $2 billion a month. Of course, they can then afford to make these these yes. things. Now you have a Disney, now you have Amazon, now you have a, all of these other ones. So there is there is that appetite, I think, amongst the Muslims. If we hit the right target audience, if we hit the right nerve. If you look now, Ertuğrul, you have hundreds of groups on Facebook which have between five, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred thousand members who are watching. I mean, I know at least of five. Tonight, I think Osman is starting in Turkey, okay? Mm. By tomorrow, in next 12 hours, there will be at least five different translations of Osman in English, <laughs> which is good. the next uh, sequel to Ertuğrul. Yeah. On different groups, different things, you know, why I always think, okay, how come we don't have something that immediately release it there before anything else? Release it there in every language. So we will have in Urdu, in, in Turkish, in Arabic, in English, all of these massive demands for books, for merchandise, for everything. So for these things, you also need a lot of other uh, things to kick in from financing is one, then distribution, then, you know, other, other, other bits and pieces, you know. So I think for us, this shows great potential, but we at the same time have a lot of work to do.
1: That's good. Okay, we're going to end, the, I guess, the show on this high-end note. And tell us, the listeners, where they can find more about the work you do and how they can connect with you.
2: So if you just Google my name, my website, armirkolan.com, you can find my YouTube channel where I have a lot of lot of different videos on different kind of topics, Facebook. So usual media, just if you Google my name, um, I produce a lot of content and we started this recently a podcast on Islamic finance where we go through different things. And I'm planning to focus now uh, even more on producing for the YouTube as well.
1: That sounds awesome. Having said that, I say thank you very much. May Allah reward you for being here and for sharing your knowledge about Islamic finance. And uh, until next time, I say assalamu alaikum.
2: Thank you very much. Salam. Dear
0: listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Asalaamu Alaikum.